On May 25, 2020, George Floyd was killed by a Minneapolis police officer kneeling on his neck for more than eight minutes. His murder sparked outrage and forced our nation to confront, once again, the deep systemic inequities faced by people of color. Perhaps no community was impacted more greatly by this tragedy than South Minneapolis, where George's murder took place. While the community is still reeling with trauma, it has also strengthened its commitment to fighting racial inequality. Welcome to Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger. I'm Amy McReynolds, your host and the Chief Equity and Programs Officer at Feeding America. Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger is a series of conversations with everyday leaders who are disrupting the systems of inequity that drive food insecurity across the country. In today's episode, we're focusing on two organizations doing work to address the racial hunger divide. I'd like to welcome two people close to the community, Allison O'Toole, CEO of Second Harvest Heartland, and Sherry Green, Family Resource Manager at Sabathany Community Center, located just blocks from where George Floyd was killed. Thank you both, Allison and Sherry, for joining today. Thanks for having us, Amy. Yes, you're very welcome. Thanks for having us. Sherry, I'd love to start off with you. Can you tell me a little bit about the South Minneapolis community? What do you love about it? Well, first off, I love it because I am born and raised in South Minneapolis. Mm. Um, It's a community that is rich in culture. It's just somewhere that I've always loved um, being, loving the lakes. Um, I grew up around the lakes. Um, I just love the, the atmosphere the culture, the nature, all of those things in South Minneapolis. And Allison, tell me a little bit. I know before we had a chance to talk, but I'd love to to share with our listeners the relationship that you have with Sherry and your partnership with Sabathony. Yeah, I am so happy to. And I I echo what Sherry said. South Minneapolis is home for me mm. um, for all the same, you know, many of the same reasons that Sherry um, just mentioned. But I grew up here. My grandpa and dad had a business uh, family drugstore right around the corner from Sabathany. And so this community um, has my heart, uh, has my attention right now, too. But, mm. you know, we enjoy. Um, at Second Harvest Heartland, a wonderful relationship with Sabathony and all they do there. But the fun part about this partnership is that Sherry's dad and my dad were friends a long time ago. And I think Sherry and I, I know there's a picture of us when we're little. I don't know where it is, but there has to be. Um, I hope so. Yeah, minus my hair now. Yes, we'll see. I know. We should do a younger picture now of us. Um, Something. But the... The Greens and the O'Toole's have known each other. I, in fact, just talked to my mom about it, too. She remembers your family, Sherry, and um, all your family has done for this community. Um, You know, our role in the community is not only to be good citizens and engaged citizens, but we ran a family drugstore where we helped um, people be well 
and helped mm-hmm. people connect. We had a soda fountain, and I bet there's a picture of Sherry and I at the soda fountain at some point. Probably. Um, <laughs> but our families have been connected, and it is just so fun. But really, my honor to be able to join forces with Sherry now again later in life uh, around ending hunger together. Well, Sherry, I you know last year was just um, such an incredibly difficult year for so many people. Not only did we have a pandemic to contend with, but George Floyd was murdered just blocks from Sabathony. Yes, and it cast a spotlight on your community. How have the events over this past year impacted your community and your work at Sabathony? Well, it's impacted the community in a in a big way. Um, you know, there's always something happening every day. There's a tone and tenor of impatience, I would say, uh, a tone and tenor of, um, you know, uh, there's always a powder keg type feeling that's around here. Um, and very little patience for um, what has happened prior to George Floyd. There's very little patience of tolerating um, injustice, tolerating um, disrespect. You know, it's been happening before, but now George Floyd has um, cast a light or cast a bright light on it. Um, And I want to say that it's not a horrible thing because as a person of color, I've known it's happening. But who knew that something right up the street from George Floyd would turn this country on its ear? Because it has. Um, So the long and short of it is for me, I, I... I'm feeling the angst and feeling the impatience and the injustice and what is not going to be tolerated anymore. Um, Has that had an effect on Sabathony? Yes, in a way. So I have to look as a manager, I have to look at the tone and tenor of how we, how people show up at work and how we treat our clients. I have to watch all of that now. Um, I was watching it before, but it's just heightened now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that it's a, um, it's just a new way of where we're going to be living or what we're living now and going forward. Um, I'm okay with it, but is it stressful at times? Yes. Is it stressful at times? Absolutely. But I have to be in there and do the work um, because if the work doesn't happen, then nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. And Allison, I- I'm curious, how have the events that have unfolded in Minneapolis really changed your partnership with Sabathony, if at all? And, and how has it perhaps evolved some of the work that you're doing together? Our partnership with Sabathony has always been strong. So mm. I just want to put that there. Yes. Um, in some ways, the events of the last year and a half have made it even stronger. And, um, you know, because our focus is different now. I, you know, I'm a white female leader. Um and from my perspective, this the racial injustice, systemic racism has been there for decades. I'm telling you things you know, but that powder keg feeling that we have here, um, a lot of us are feeling it. And, uh, you know, when I think about what's next, there's, a, there's discomfort across the community, impatience, Um, We, and I recognize that as a leader, um, 
And I think what we've done with our partnerships, I'm just talking about just the human part of it, is we're staying in close touch with partners who are in areas that have been impacted um, by all the uprising uh, after George Floyd's murder. Um, We're paying attention to a lot of partners always, but um, there were corridors in this city that were literally on fire. And so I think just in terms of partnership and being colleagues and humans, um, uh, we're staying close. Uh, But when I think about the work that we do together, um, Sherry and her team at Sabathne uh, are helping us as we tackle what we call the hunger divide. And that is the fact that the pandemic has again revealed that our um, Black, Latino, Asian, Indigenous populations are at least twice as likely to experience food insecurity than their white counterparts. There are loads of stats around this. You both know them. Um, But, you know, our opportunity at Second Harvest Heartland is to not only do the work as leaders in the Hunger Relief Network ourselves, um, but also to think about where we're investing our resources. Are we reaching populations who need help the most, who have been chronically underserved? We're sharpening our, our lens or, or you know, sharpening our pencils to make sure that we're partnering in different ways, sourcing different things. We've just recently doubled the variety of culturally specific foods. So we are there to help people with food that is appealing and that they know and love. So it's in every facet. Those are a couple examples. But, you know, we we count on Sherry to help us figure those things out. Um, If there's one thing we've learned in the last 18 months is that we need to all join together um, to move forward. And Sherry's been a huge part of that. Thank you, Allison. I think, you know, staying in close touch, right? We sometimes talk about stats and data, but what I heard you just say, right? Care for people, right? The relationship, the partnership. How do you stay in close touch? Sherry, you talked about how are you caring for your staff in this moment as well so that they can care for the community? Yeah, it's critical. Um, Stats and data can maybe tell you a story about what's Mm. needed in your organization, Um, but it's just a small part. It's really just a small part. It's having being here, feeling what they're feeling, feeling what the community is feeling. Um, and then partnering with people like Allison and other organizations that, um, do the work to, to, uh, heal our community because that's what's needed. You know, Allison, you brought up the hunger divide and you actually racialized the hunger divide. We hear about policing in communities. We hear about an over-policing in communities. You talked about the impatience in tolerating injustice that's happening in communities. Some of these issues feel so big. So I'm, I'm curious to hear from both of you. How do you see issues of race and justice connecting to the work to ensure that families have access to food? How are they connected in your mind, and, and if you have any specific examples of how that's showing up in your work, I'd love to hear from you. I think they are inextricably connected. I um, Communities thrive when they're treated 
fairly and equitably, when you have a roof over your head, when you're fed and have access to nutritious food, it's all together. And I think about the huge issues around systemic racism, but in this community, um, police violence, and that whole conversation, we're keeping our eye on helping families stay well and fed mm-hmm. and supported, and especially the communities who, that have been chronically underserved. We can do better to reach those communities. We can do better to reach those communities with really strong partnerships with Sherry and Sabathony and loads of other partners. So I think it's it's shifting the way we think about how uh, we engage with communities um, and how we partner to reach communities. You know, I'll give you a couple of specific examples. One I've told you about sourcing culturally specific food. Yes. We're also, we have an initiative called Minnesota Central Kitchen that is providing community connected prepared meals. Mm. And here's what I mean. I mean, meals that are um, made from ingredients that people know and love uh, and made in the communities that need them most. So our goal is to make meals within three miles of distribution site. And yeah, we've gotten, we've sharpened our pencil on this. We can do this. And um, when people have the security of a meal on their table, food in their cupboards, access to SNAP or other federal nutrition programs, it helps stabilize a home. And that is our goal. But all of these things are totally connected. Um, And what we can do is invest resources, and I will tell you, significant resources to tackle the racial hunger divide, and we're going to do it. Yeah, I, I echo um, I echo what uh, Allison is speaking of. For, for an organization such as Sabathony, we need, um, we need uh, partners like Allison, like organizations like Allison, Allison's and, and Second Harvest, to um to ensure that we can provide those things or uh, provide the food the the uh culturally specific food the um uh it's, it, we need food like that because that's what um our communities are looking for at Sabathony it's okay to um have things that are pre-made but our clients like vegetables our clients like things they can cook with our clients um, prefer all of that. They don't necessarily want something that they can go home and put in a microwave. They want those culturally specific good food that they can um, cook for their families and feed their families. Um, because Sabathony, you know, my role is to make sure I can provide those things. Um, Second Harvest has been doing that since I've been here. You know, I've only been in this position for a couple of years. Second Harvest and the food group, those have been my two places, but um, you know, that variety of food where people can take that home and cook yes. is, is what my community is looking for. So I have to provide that for them. One other really important thing that we're doing, that I'm doing um, as a white female leader, I am not going to always get this right. But um, people like Sherry give me the confidence to keep going. But it is to have the conversation to keep talking about this. So it is front and center. And I, you know, I feel that way as a lifelong South Minneapolis resident, as a lifelong Minnesotan, Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, we have, we can do better. We have the resources to do better. We have to, if we're going to keep uh, moving forward as a community. And part of that is having the conversation and not being afraid um, to have it, help convene it, share the microphone with other people, and not be afraid to make a mistake. And that's why I just say it all the time. I might not always get my words right, but I am I am in this. And people like Sherry help me keep going. And part of it is is you know not only tactically what we're doing at the food bank, but it is also stepping out and making room for this conversation. Yeah, and and it's uncomfortable. You know, the conversations are uncomfortable. So people in uh, Allison's role um, as a CEO of Second Harvest. Um, to her, for her to step up and have those conversations um, is essential to um, how I show up for my organization. You know, I was in a conversation yesterday and we were talking about equity and how it's important. You know, one of the panelists had mentioned how it's important that that people of color get an opportunity to share the mic, right? Uh, that there's voice uh, 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 that is made available that, that folks can listen to and, and be heard and amplified. And it's important for allyship as well in this work. So I'm curious sort of on both sides of the microphone here, uh, you know, Allison, uh, what are some of the challenges maybe that you have experienced, right? As you make this commitment, I mean, certainly um, to sit in the discomfort of the conversations, to think about the um, significant investments that you've shared that Second Harvest has made in order to continue to move down this path. I'm, I'm just curious. You know, sometimes we always talk about like, oh, here are the great things that are happening. What are some of the challenges that people run into and should expect to run into in this in this work? So I will tell you, Amy, all of the challenges, all of the discomfort is worth it in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so that mindset helps me. Um, And as a leader, I've had to figure out how I recharge after these conversations because they are difficult. You know, at Second Harvest Heartland, we're on the journey with our uh, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion journey with our team. Yes. And getting our team there. That means we're having a lot of uncomfortable and hard conversations. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone's committed. And so you have that, you have that North Star, but it is rocky to get there sometimes. Mm. And as leaders, we have to be okay with that. Um, there are, you know, the critics always. Um, we are serving a big part of this state. And that is our mission to serve a big part of the state that is diverse in every way, rural, largely white, urban communities, all of that. Um, and so you always have critics. And I think having really strong partners that, around you that you trust, like Sherry and yes. others, and a really strong team with you, and a supportive board that is aligned with this, um, that is... Uh, helps break down those barriers. But at the end of the day, Amy, it is about knowing that this is the right thing to do and just keeping my own eye on that ball and not yes. giving up. 
uh, appreciate you articulating the importance of that, right? Saying steadfast. Sherry, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, right? Um, Sabathony, South Minneapolis have probably had uh, quite a bit of spotlight, right? And interest from a lot of partners and wanting to work with you. Um, there are probably some things that you're sharing that you've been sharing for years coming from the community about what's needed. What What is it like from your perspective in this conversation? Actually, I get excited that people are so willing to have the conversation because um, it's, it's due time. It's time. Mm. Um, so past for time, me, right? it's, it's way past time. <laughs> so for me, the... Um, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, people like Allison and others are uh, willing to be uncomfortable in these conversations because it's going to be. Um, so for me um, at Sabathony, I just have to encourage, continue to encourage the conversation, continue to um, push the envelope in terms of, you know, every now and again, if somebody says they want to work with us, well, why is that? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid to ask the reasons why and not be it um, because you, you, you feel guilty about something. But what, what are we trying to learn here? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that I would push anyone away, but encouraging and continuing to have that conversation is in the forefront of the conversations that I have with anybody that wants to work with Sabathony. As you, Allison, have talked about the vision and Sherry have talked about how you can partner more together. You know, I'm thinking about uh, 10 years from now, right? 2031. And I'm curious to hear from each of you, what, what do you hope for? What do you want to see happen? What do you, the community members that you work with and partner with and serve want for uh, South Minneapolis uh, what does it look like 10 years from now? What's different? I want to see that gap closed. Mm. I think the work that we're doing now um, going forward would would, would would start to close that gap. Um, I'd like to be sitting in my rocking chair on my porch mm. 10 years from now saying, you know what? We did some good work. And I, I see the results of the, the good work mm. that we've been doing through conversations and through, I want to see that racial divide gap close. Um, that's what I, that's the hope. Um, yes. But we, we have to struggle through all of this to get to where we need to be in 10 years. And, you know, knocking on wood, I'm hoping that it's going, the, this world is going to look different. Um, it's going to look um, more equal. Um, there'll be more equity in all all races, but especially closing that gap of the racial divide. Yeah, Allison. Yeah, I the gap closed. If 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 we have not made progress on that, um, Sherry, we're going to have to get out of our rocking chairs. <laughs> we're going to have to stay out <laughs> of our rocking chairs <laughs> again. Um, but you know, the gap closed. But Really, I think continued conversation, conversation that becomes more comfortable over time. So we continue to take this head on. These the systemic racism continues to be at the top of our list. Um, you know, there is always the risk after you know trials of police officers um, or convictions, even that we 
we go back to whatever was normal. Mm. There's no normal anymore and we have to keep going. So I really, um, I hope it's more comfortable conversation. And when I have been saying this a lot in the last 18 months, you know, I think for this community, when we look back in 10 years, when kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, like I have neighbor kids ask us, you know, especially residents of South Minneapolis, what we did when the world fell apart. Mm. I want us to have a good answer. Yeah. And I know Sherry and I are at our, on our way to that good answer. Um, we've done a lot in the last year and a half, but yeah. I want this community to be proud of what we've accomplished um, and to continue the conversation. Wow. The legacy that we leave behind. Absolutely. Yeah. We're building it yeah. today. We're yeah. building it today. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, Allison, Sherry, I uh, deeply appreciate you all just taking a few moments out of your day just to, to share a bit from a personal perspective of what life is like in Minneapolis and South Minneapolis in particular, and how the past 18 months have continue to deepen, strengthen, and evolve your partnerships with one another. We appreciate the work that Second Harvest Heartland is doing and that Sabathony is doing in the community. And I deeply thank you all for joining me today. I'm grateful for the opportunity, Amy. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Sherry. It is always a delight to team up. Yes, absolutely. And keep up that good work um, and keep up the discussions and the conversations. And yes. Amy, thank you for doing this. It's um, it's important to uh, keep these conversations in the forefront of what we need to do to make change. I agree. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevating Voices Ending Hunger. September is Hunger Action Month. Families and individuals in South Minneapolis and all across the country face impossible choices between food and other critical needs like medicine, child care, or utilities. Join us this Hunger Action Month to get involved in the work Feeding America is doing to address equity and food insecurity. Visit feedingamerica.org backslash act. Don't forget to share this show with others and be sure to subscribe so that you can get new episodes as soon as they're available. I'm Amy McReynolds, and I look forward to continuing our equity journey together in the next episode.